Have you ever wondered what it takes to create a life that's free from the bonds of corporate slavery? Maybe you're already on that journey, but you're still figuring it out. This show aims to show you the way by sharing the real stories, strategies, tactics, trials and tribulations of freedom seekers at different stages of their journeys, from running a business on the side to serial entrepreneurs who've launched and scaled multiple multi-million dollar firms. Hello, I'm Craigie B. This is Corporate Escape Plan. Hey, hey. So, uh, welcome to the Corporate Escape Plan. Today's guest has spent the last 30 years first researching, then living the crazy life that is entrepreneurship. He has a bachelor's degree in economics, a PhD in organizations and management, since which time his learning has never stopped. He also worked in corporate for a subsidiary of Chevron before launching his own business in 1999. This was the catalyst to becoming a serial entrepreneur, founding dozens of companies that happens to have included a couple of multi-million dollar companies which attracted major partners, even including Fortune 100 companies. This man loves discussing entrepreneurial strategies, what works and what doesn't, and also loves helping other entrepreneurs keep their chin up while they navigate the ups and downs of their entrepreneurial journeys. Who is he? His name is Aaron R. Stewart, and in addition to his business interests, he is also the founder and host of not one, but two podcasts. One is about golf. The other one is about entrepreneurship, where he interviews some of the best in entrepreneurs and others who are still figuring everything out in their pursuit of success. It's called The Little Black Couch. So without further ado, I have great pleasure in introducing Aaron R. Stewart. I'm so delighted to have you here today. Hello and welcome. Thank you, Craig. It's wonderful to be here. Good, good. So we're not going to hang about, are we? Um, <laughs> so part of our mission is to inspire would-be corporate escapees uh, or, and people who've already made the leap into entrepreneurship that they're still trying to figure everything out. So um, as, as part of our launch episodes, I'm inviting people like you to share their corporate escape stories in the hopes that it inspire people. So I'm just going to invite you to take it away from here. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. And I think what you're doing is so important because um, as a researcher and somebody who enjoys entrepreneurship and one who was in the corporate world, I was raised to be an entrepreneur. I mean, my dad's an entrepreneur, my grandfather's an entrepreneur, they had a lot of different businesses. So I'm, I'm a little different that way. I was raised by entrepreneurs and I watched uh, my dad who, I, I didn't quite get it at the time, but you know, my dad still works. He's 75 years old and he's on the job site right now. He's a builder and he's got my son with him and they're out working in the dirt and, and uh, he'll work till probably three or four o'clock today. But when I left, I leave the office around 6.10 in the morning or so He's already on the he's already on the site, and I see his car leave and and come to work, and it's just like he's unbelievable to me. But growing up, I thought, you know, my dad's never here. I don't want to be an entrepreneur. Um, right. 
I, I didn't know that the reason he's not there is one, he just loves what he does, you know, and, and yeah. he found his passion and he pursued it. I just looked at it a completely different way. And so I went and did the more traditional route um, against his will. I went to college. I went to university and mm -hmm. I got a, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, went on and got a doctorate and he was just freaking out. He was very upset every wow. academic step I took. Um, and because he wanted us to be entrepreneurs, which is great. Um, and, but I went into the corporate world like he introduced. I went out and um, when I finished uh, my master's degree, I went out to get a job and I tried to do everything I possibly could to stay away from home. Um, I, had left, I had left home and gone to uh, get, get my degree and, and really was looking forward to some kind of an international. I graduated from a school called Thunderbird, known for international business. I really figured that I would get a job somewhere, maybe offshore. You know, I'd be living the international business life with a big company and it would be super um, grandiose. And, and it didn't quite work out that way. The only offer I got was back here to the state of Utah. Uh, fortunately, it was in the international apartment. And, uh, and again, subsidiary of, of Chevron Company is the company's named American Gilsonite Company. So I came over and took over their inter international department. And we had 56 distributors located in 56 different countries. And I had to visit them half. I had to visit half of them a year. So I was traveling all the time, and um, which was fun at first. I got to see really, really cool stuff, right? I mean, I was having a complete ball. And I was like, this is exactly what I thought my life was going to be like. I had a per diem. I had a company credit card. I was staying in the nicest places. I was flying business class. I mean, it was heaven and uh, really enjoying it. But I was also on the road for six weeks and then home for two on the road for six home for two. And, and, uh, actually had a funny story here. We get married really quickly around here in, in the state of Utah, um, due to the prominent religion. And I, uh, I actually was engaged to a girl and went on a trip. And by the time I got back, she was engaged to somebody else. I mean, so things move quickly around here. Um, but anyway, just it got to the point where uh, it, it just got hard to live out of the suitcase. I would wake up in the middle of the night needing to use the bathroom and hop out of bed and run into a wall. And I never knew where I was. And, and, uh, and then I had no control over my schedule. The company told me, hey, this is where you're going. They'd hand you travel plans, and it didn't matter if you had a wedding. It didn't matter. I was just set their back and call. And in order for me to get a paycheck, I just did what I was told. And that got a little old. Um, yeah. One day I was in Pakistan, and um, we had a distributor there. And we'd been driven out to this, um, this very interesting – it's so hot there. It was like 126 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. It was brutally hot. Um, it's the only, it was horrible. No air conditioning in the car. It's the only, it's the only stuff I ever went without a shirt and tie on. I, I just, I couldn't take it. So I, uh, and that was, that was the corporate outfit. I had to be in a shirt and a tie, which was another disaster, but I, I still to this day hate wearing ties. But I, <laughs> I went um, to this place. It was a, it looked like a one level building. And there was just like sand everywhere else. We went into the basement, which made sense. It actually was a building that was like four levels into the ground to right. avoid the heat, which made, made perfect sense. But they, so they took us yeah. down in 
And uh, we sat down as a, it, it, the office was situated, it was fascinating, but we had this, there was a desk in the middle, a big fancy wood carved awesome desk with the gentleman there. And then everybody else was out around his desk. And he was obviously the head honcho. He was the A number one, no question about it. Uh, but we came in and there was armed guards on all four corners of the building and an extra one as we came in and checked in. And then we went and sat down and they said, hey, yeah, you know, they'll speak, he'll speak with you soon enough. Just sit here and, and wait. And we waited for like 90 minutes. He never looked up his desk at us. He talked to other people. We were completely ignored. And I'm like, this is, what a horrible waste of time, you know? And, uh, and then we went and finally got called over. We went and sat down. And uh, he, right off the bat, no introductions, nothing, said, I need a lower price. And we were selling to him this mineral that he was using in, in paint manufacturing. Because I, I needed a lower price. And I'm like, well, then I need you know, higher quantities because our prices are pretty laid out. This is how it is. And it was about that time that I heard some rustling behind me and then there was a gun barrel at the back of my head. And he asked, wow. yeah, this guy with one of the guards with a rifle had placed it at the back of my, just at the base of my head. And he asked again, I need a lower price. To which I wisely replied, okay, you know, what do you need? <laughs> you know, and, um, uh. Knowing wow. well that as soon as I walked out that door and got on the plane, I would honor the price as long as I was in country. But as soon as I was out of country, we were canceling our contract with him completely. I, I mean, give me a break. I don't know how he thought that was going to work out for him. And, and um, maybe he thought I was a man of my word, but under duress, no. Um, so, uh, yeah. but I sat there yeah. thinking, and literally the thought came to my mind, you know, my company has put me in harm's way and I'm done. I'm not doing yeah. that. Wow. And that was pretty much it. I did finish that trip. I came home. I gave them my two weeks and said, look, I don't, I, I, all I know is I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go out that door and figure out what I'm going to do. And that kind of started my journey on entrepreneurship. What a jolt. Yeah. <laughs> it was a jolt. <laughs> yeah, it was a jolt. So Crikey. Yeah. That was it. I mean, not that the company had put me there, but I definitely felt like, uh, you know, I, I was told I had to go to Pakistan. I was told I had to meet with these clients. And, and then one of those clients turned out to be a, a bit of a bad apple. And I didn't want to do that anymore. So, yeah. So what happened next? Yeah. So that, that actually became pretty, a pretty interesting situation in that um, my, <laughs> My father and I were actually out on, the, on, we have sand dunes nearby it, and um, we like to, we, we crazy, we're, we're, our family's a little crazy. We like to take these little four-wheel ATVs and go out and just go crazy chasing each other around the sand dunes and, and have a lot of fun together. And so we, I, I quit, you know, I didn't have a job anymore and he's an entrepreneur. And so we kind of packed up as a group of four of us and went out there to just go have a little fun. And, while we were out there, we were standing up on one of these bluffs and we were all sitting there and, and kind of looking out. The view's spectacular. I mean, we're, we're in mountains and things. And so to be able to be in the middle of sand dunes about an hour and a half away, just the, uh, uh, just the dichotomy and all that is just crazy. And so we were just kind of taking it all in. It's like, it's called Little Sahara, the national park. And <laughs> it's amazing to stand there and look around and realize it is just, we're in the middle of just sand. And yeah. So we were kind of taking it all in. And at that moment, we were kind of at the edge. My dad, where my dad was standing, sloughed off. 
and he fell over into the sand dune and started rolling down this big dune and got to the bottom and we were laughing hysterically. It was hysterical. All of a sudden he just sort of disappeared and rolled down and we knew he was okay, you know, but we knew he was going to be okay. It was soft and whatever. So he's rolling down. Well, his, the sloughing kept coming up and his machine came off. Now that's a problem. His machine started rolling down, rolling down, and then it started to jump higher and higher and higher. And he was down on his all fours and it ended up coming down and pile driving him into the hard ground and crushing his pelvis. He just was out. And so then we went running down and things were serious. And I grabbed my dad's and I grabbed wow. him by the torso because he was laying flat and I didn't know if he was alive or dead. We threw the machine off. I grabbed his torso and twisted it and his body twisted, but his, his lower body stayed on the ground. It just, his pelvis was completely shattered and broken and nothing was holding it together. So I almost passed out there and then grabbed his legs and kind of moved him around to get him so he was all right side up. And then we had to figure out how to get a, uh, you know, somebody, I rode like crazy to go get an ambulance. They eventually had to life light him out with a helicopter. Well, so he's out of commission and, um, and I didn't have a job. And he's like, hey, could you kind of keep an eye on things until I'm back up? And so it gave me an opportunity to kind of figure out, I don't want to do what my dad's doing. Um, I don't want to chew dirt for a living for the rest of my life, but what can I do? And so I developed a website for him. I got into some technology side of things and I began sort of finding my way of what would be interesting to me. I had a lot of experience, uh, obviously with international businesses. I really enjoyed working with, I mean, all those distributors that I met around the world, they're independent contractors, they're entrepreneurs trying to make it happen. And I was fascinated by their tenacity and I would talk to them all the time, like, why do you do this? And they would say, well, you know, some would say for the money and you know, okay, you, you're not going to last very long. But the ones yeah. that said, I love, I just love what I do. I just love meeting people. And I, you know, this mineral gilsonite is, is one of the worst products in the world you can sell. Um, it has, but it's, it's nasty, it's sturdy. But some of them really just genuinely loved the product and loved selling and they were just making it happen. I mean, in Romania, we had, there was a distributor that, I mean, that's right after the Iron Curtain fell. You can stop this kid. I mean, he was just constantly going, potholes everywhere. I, I, we were racing around trying to find customers. He was amazing. And I just developed this real passion for um, entrepreneurs, especially international entrepreneurs and those in third world countries it's just infectious, this, this positivity that comes from an entrepreneur that's on a mission to make something happen. And so I kind of got into that. I kind of got into consulting and helping uh, domestic companies here in the United States, find companies overseas and distributors overseas. And, uh, and then eventually, eventually found some technology that I had built that, that, uh, that sort of bridged the gap with um, some services overseas. I mean, way back, it doesn't sound hard now, but back when in 1999, it was pretty hard to, to leverage um, all these wonderful services and these entrepreneurs around the world much easier now with Fiverr and, and everything else. But, um, but that's kind of where I, I sort of evolved into that from, but the corporate side definitely helped me get there. Yeah. So um, a lot of the skills that you picked up inside of corporate, they, they had value yeah I they definitely had value I, I love my education I love I love the things that I learned working for a, a company um, the organization all of that 
Um, I didn't like the, you know, uh, analysis paralysis issue that you have in large organizations. Um, it's still a problem today. You mentioned that we work with, we've worked with Fortune 100 companies. We can have a solution ready and presented to them, and then it's like hurry up and wait. You know, they want the solution as quick as possible, and then you wait for six months until they make a decision on it. <laughs> and because that's <laughs> a zillion committees before they finally agree to to bring you on, so that's a little frustrating dealing with large organizations. But I guess the thing that really inspired me the most about my corporate job was watching these entrepreneurs. And I had a, you know, my, my research, my dissertation was on um, analyzing, we went out and analyzed the effects of education on individuals' entrepreneurial perception. And it was in almost 40 countries. And it, it, there was such a direct cor a correlation between education and entrepreneurial perception. So. That part was cool, you know, as, 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 you know, when we give people money and that's fine, but if they don't have the education, they don't really see the opportunity. So now we're, we're educating them better and they see the opportunity and now we hand them the money. Hopefully they have enough where they can do something with it. They're, they're still, these microloans and all that are having a wonderful effect on the world. And I don't think many people understand just how far we've come in the last 20 years of taking people out of poverty, but it's astounding. Um, but yeah, but this, there's still a, a real problem with getting them excited about entrepreneurship, giving them a little loan, but now they need to understand everything else, online marketing and all this stuff to leverage and get themselves out going. And so I find myself now in that part of it where how can we help people who have a great idea, who have passion to be entrepreneurs actually get out and get going. So pulling them out of the corporate world and pulling them out of thinking that this is the only way you can go and then pushing them out a, a different direction is really is really what I'm about right now. Yeah. Right, yeah. Now, I, I have a question for you Please. Uh, about this. And that is around when you, uh, the word education, um, I'm assuming you're not talking about mainstream school education, or are you? Well, so here's the interesting thing, and what we found out over the years is, um, it doesn't matter what type of education, as long as, your brain, as long as your brain is taking in information and learning, then you have got an opportunity to, then you will see more entrepreneurial opportunities. And it doesn't matter if you're studying art, it doesn't matter if you're starting history, it doesn't matter what it is, the brain is so amazing because in order for us to be creative and understand problems, we need to have education from a lot of different sources and then we have the opportunity to, um, one, communicate more effectively with one another about a lot of different uh, of things. But it gives us the ability to keep our eyes wide open for all types of opportunities. I think where modern day entrepreneurs make a huge mistake is they stay, they jump into the self-help books and they, they get on the Tony Robbins bandwagon and they only look at these sorts of things. That's great, but that's a very narrow perspective of what entrepreneurship is about. Entrepreneurship is about solving problems in very new and creative, unique ways. And the way we become unique is having all these different educational experiences, taking them all in and then applying our own uh, strengths, weaknesses, efforts, and then coming out with all these new ideas to solve these problems. So unless the inputs are varied and vast, um, we limit our ability to come up with creative solutions. That's a fantastic insight. I love that. Yeah. So, well, um, 
that's been truly fascinating. And I, I think, um, you know, in terms of having a nice short launch episode just to give people a taster, I think that's a, a great starting point for us. And I'm hoping um, that you'd be up for doing another episode with us on, on another subject area. Oh, um, yeah. love to. So, um, yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic. I was hoping you'd say that. Um, <laughs> so, um, in closing, I, I would like to invite you to talk about something that you'd like to promote. So, you know, I'm all about giving values, not only value, not only to our listeners, but also to our guests who are giving up their time to, to appear on the show. Oh, I appreciate it very much. I, um, but probably the easiest way, I've got a lot going on. You mentioned I, I deal in the golf area. We're building out some really cool technology right now that uh, will help people when they publish, will help disseminate that information out around all the different networks. So that's kind of a local, that's kind of a project that we're working on now, hopefully launching within the next two weeks. So I'm super excited about it. Um, but if you want to kind of get an idea of all the doings and goings on of what's going on with entrepreneurship and golf and all the new products and companies that we're working with, the easiest way to find me is just go to uh, draaronstewart.com. And I keep kind of, that's kind of like a landing page that has everything that I'm working on there. And if you find something that's of interest, we keep it updated there. So, Okay, so that's draaronstewart.com. Yep. Could you spell that for us? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, www.draaronstewart.com. Is it S-T-E-W? Yeah. A-R-T. Yep. .com. Yeah. We, we don't like the S-T-U-A-R-T stewards at all. So they spell it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much, Aaron, for joining us. I'm, I'm thrilled that you've shared your story with us. And um, wow, what, what a story. You know, there's some real, real jeopardy in there. So, um, you know, there was plenty of stuff I didn't know um, before before yeah. today. Um, so thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate um, it. Um, uh, um, we'll speak to you again soon. Yes, thank you, Craig. Good luck on your launch. This is cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right. So if you've enjoyed today's episode and feel you'd benefit from joining a community of like-minded people, then you may wish to consider joining our free Facebook community. Head over to Facebook now, look for the Corporate Escape Plan community, then apply to join by answering the questions. The group officially opens on Monday, March 9th, 2020. So if you're listening to this episode during our launch week, you may need to wait a number of days for your application to be approved. See you inside!